Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Now, in my 20s, before I went into paid ministry, uh, while I was uh, in, the, in the police, but serving the church, I took part in something uh, I helped to organise called the Walk of a Thousand Men. It, we, they walked along stretches of the Pennine Way, and I organised the final stretch, because we were at a church in Glossop then, uh, the, the, the stretch that arrived at Edale, um, and I took part in the mission at that end, but I also took part at the, further on, uh, near the beginning, when I joined um, some other blokes in the Dales for a mission over a, a period of some weeks. And the, there were some people, including an ex-SAS guy, I seem to remember, who just were walking and praying the full length. But others of us, like myself, were going off and down into particular nearby villages and towns. And we would knock on doors and offer to pray for people. And we'd form impromptu choirs uh, to sing open air or to sing in pubs if they'd let us. And, uh, and we would share our faith stories. And we, we took over village halls or church halls as long as it didn't cost anything because we didn't actually take money with us. You only had like a few emergency pounds that you could take with you, but really we had to go and totally rely on God for everything during that time. It was incredible faith stretching time to be able to do it. We just had to pray and rely on God. Not, we're not going to have to do that at the XCC, by the way. We've got food provided and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll be, have places, tents that we can sleep in, etc. Um, but on this particular thing, the walk of a thousand men, as we descended into the towns and the villages, we either got to sleep on the church hall floor if somebody arranged that, or sometimes you got invited into the home of, of somebody, perhaps in a church, who'd said that they would uh, have one or two people stay there too. Um, and, or you'd sleep rough in a field with a bivy, a bivy bag. And, uh, and, and yet the stories that came out of that time, depending on God, of incredible miracles and seeing him come through were, were still unforgettable for me. And just being able to pray and share Jesus. I'll never forget um, talking with one young lady on her doorstep with her kids running around her and her giving her life to Jesus. And we just saw miracles and heard of things happening every day from the team as we went and did that. Now in one Yorkshire Dales village that we stayed in, I, I really drew lucky because I got, they said, you're gonna to go to this farm, this small holding and stay there for the night. Um, and a young couple there had generously opened up their home. So in the evening we sat and I remember having soup and a roll and chatting to them and telling them a little bit about what was going on. And, um, and I said, but I'm curious about what life's like on the farm. I'm a, I'm a city boy, I've never really been that near farms. Um, do you think you could show me something around? Maybe we don't have to start till like 10 o'clock tomorrow. Maybe you could show me around before on the farm and, and tell me a little bit about the farm. And the farmer was like, yeah, sure, no problem. Well, I went to bed. He said night, night. And then it seemed like as soon as I put my head on the pillow, he knocked on the door again because it turns out they get up really, really early in the morning. So it was like daybreak and I walked outside with his uh, young son as well, a little, only not much bigger than a toddler really, walking around in his wellies. And we went across, we went to the cow shed and mucked out the cows. Well, when I say we, they mucked out the cows. I thought it was a bit gross, stayed well away. And then they were like, um, okay, the guy could see I wasn't particularly uh, comfortable and joining in with them. So he said, why don't you go over there and go towards where we keep all the sheep? And he pointed to a field that was enclosed by a fence 
and, uh, and so I walked over to the, the, the sheep. It was beautiful countryside and, and it was a lovely morning. And then uh, I, I opened the gate and walked in and all these sheep looked at me like, who's this? And I didn't know what to say to sheep, so I, I just said, morning. At which point, they all bolted. All these sheep panicked and jumped and ran away from me and, and were you know, going crazy. And, um, and it was the sound of my voice that they really didn't like. And I, and I wasn't worrying them, but I was definitely worried that I was going to get in trouble off the, uh, the farmer at this point when he arrived. But as he walked in, opened the gate, he just shouted like, Hey, up! And as he did, all the sheep ran to him and, they, and his son. They were like happy puppies just jumping about everywhere. And buckets of feed arrived and the sheep were having a lovely breakfast. And, and then the next thing, you know, this was amazing because all I could see was uh, hooves and wool and teeth all jumping all over the place while they were eating up this, this stuff. But the farmer looked at them and then he noticed and said, one missing. And he left the ones there that were feeding safely. And then he walked to the far side of the field where, guess what? A good distance away over there was one daft sheep who, who looks maybe stuck or something, but he just shouted again, hey, up! And as he did so, the sheep pulled itself out of whatever it had got interested in or stuck in and was distracting it and ran to him, ran to us, and then rejoined the flock. And... Now, I'd come to believe that the Bible is the word of God uh, some years before that, some time before that. That's why, for me, I was doing it. It wasn't my job. It was my joy to serve Jesus and to be able to serve in the local church and to get involved with the things that the church was doing to, to help to be able to get the mission and the word of Jesus out to our community. I, I was signing up for all kinds of things. But seeing these words from Scripture actually happening in front of me was just jaw-dropping. And... You see, Jesus told this story, the parable of the lost sheep. Maybe you know it. He said the shepherd had a hundred sheep, which would have been like a good-sized flock at the time. And then one was lost. But rather than thinking, well, it's okay, I've got 99. Anyway, who cares? I'm missing one. The shepherd leaves the 99, Jesus says, and he goes out and he finds the one that is lost. And then to see that actually happening in front of me, I have no idea how many sheep this guy had, um, but it happened. But I also saw the truth of Jesus's words in scripture because the declaration that we're going to look at today in John chapter 10 we're going to it starts out truly truly and it truly truly is true because Jesus said I am the good shepherd and he said my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me they will never follow a stranger in fact they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice that is true it's really true so today I'm praying for you I'm praying for everybody watching listening who's part of this that over and above my words you will hear the voice of the good shepherd speaking personally to you calling you calling you by name because he knows you and he loves you. And especially anybody who's, who's wondered or wondered, that he wants to bring you back into his flock and from the flock into his fold. We've been in a series called All About Jesus, looking at some of the miracles that Jesus did and some of the many names and titles that he either took upon himself or other people gave to him. We've heard about what C.S. Lewis famously said about Jesus, that anybody who makes the kind of claims that Jesus makes about themselves 
can't just be called a good person or a religious prophet or teacher. He said, when somebody says things like that they are the bread of life, that they are the light of the world, that they are the way and the truth and the life and that nobody comes to know God apart from coming to know them. He said, when somebody makes claims that they're able to give everlasting life to those who will put their trust in him and that following any other way will only lead you to destruction, we have to ask the question, are they mad or are they bad or are they God? Are they liar, lunatic or Lord? That's our options. Now, we see again those reactions all the time through Scripture. And as we read through the Gospels, as we've been seeing them, as we've been reading through John's Gospel, and now as we get to John chapter 9, then go over into John chapter 10, because all these things happen on the same day. You see, Jesus has just done an amazing miracle in John 9. There's no blur to John 10. It just carries on. We just put a number in. But... He's just healed a man who was born blind so that now he can see. And actually, not only does he see physically, but he's able to see spiritually who Jesus is. And he declares that too. Um, and yet at the same time, some people are saying Jesus is bad. The reason that he's done it is because he's got demons. And it's that's the power that is used to be able to, to do it. And other people are saying, oh, a great prophet has arisen among us. And he's doing it by his magic powers. And other people are saying, he's always oh, a very good man. He's a very good man. Only one person saw that he was God. And he was the person who'd never seen anything else in his life up until the day that he met Jesus. And then when his enemies, the Lord's enemies, pressed him and challenged him about it, the blind man simply said, all I know is this, I once was blind, but now I see. Then, because the Pharisees hated Jesus even more because of this miracle and because of the more people were following him, they said, anybody who follows Jesus must be thrown out of the temple. They've got to be out of our religion. They're out of our, they, they can't follow anymore. And yet this blind man said these words in John 9, 38, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. See, as we go from chapter 9 into chapter 10, Jesus is looking at the false teachers and he's addressing here when he says these words, these Pharisees, these religious teachers who've got God so wrong and are leading people astray. He said that in another point, you're the blind leading the blind. But there's so much keeping their positions, keeping their power and their prestige, and actually he says to them at this point, when they say, oh, you're saying we're blind. He says, no, you're not blind because you can see what you're doing is wrong and yet you're still doing it. And that's why you're so guilty. See, as priests, as people who are representing God, they were meant to care for God's people. They were supposed to go out for the flock, go out for the lost ones, but they were too busy looking after themselves. So now he reminds the Pharisees what shepherds are meant to do. That's how verse one starts, if you notice. Because they're not shepherds, he says, they're, they're more like wolves, or at least they're, they're thieves and they're robbers. So John 10 verse 1, read along with me, he says, Very truly, 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 I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees didn't understand what he was telling them. Now, being a shepherd in Jesus' day was a dirty, thankless 
low paid or even unpaid job. The sheep weren't put into fenced off fields like we do here in the English countryside so that the shepherds uh, or the farmers can go off and do other things. Instead, they would roam the Judean countryside, which is pretty much flat in lots of places and wasn't much good as arable land for crops. And the sheep needed to be closely watched and tended for and constantly protected. Now, like me, like I was then, certainly, you, you might know nothing about or very little about farming, but in that agrarian society, everybody will be really familiar with the sight of shepherds tending their flocks all day through the village. But then as it began to get dark, it would be impossible for a shepherd to be able to look after all of his flock and keep an eye on them. Uh, So he would walk into the village and the sheep would, as he said there, would follow him. He would never get behind them and urge them and push them on. Like, you know, we now get a sheepdog to to round them up and, and drive them forwards. No, the shepherd led from the front and the sheep decided to follow. That's the way it works. I read a story about some tourists in Israel who were being told this on a tour bus by their guide about how shepherds there were different and because uh, they always led from the front. Um, but then they happened to pass a flock where the, the shepherd was walking behind the sheep. And so they said, stop, stop, look, that guy isn't doing what you said. And the, the tourist guide couldn't believe it. So he stopped the bus and he went out and he had a quick word with the shepherd And then when he got back on with a sheepish grin, he said, actually, I've just found out that guy wasn't the shepherd. He is the butcher. So sheep don't lead. They follow their shepherd until they would all from all, you can imagine from all of the countryside, all around in the hills around, they would all come round into the village centre where there was a sheep fold and they would converge around this walled enclosure with thorns on the top and and there'd be many flocks but they all come into the one fold. Now sheep are naturally herd creatures. They get nervous if they're on their own. They don't stay healthy unless they're in groups. Left alone, they will organise themselves into, into flocks. They'll do that. Imagine all of these shepherds then arriving at night time with their flocks and and now they come into the village at the the same time and every shepherd would bring their sheep into the one fold an incomplete circle with a gap and then the shepherd himself would get his rod and he would make a gate if you like a gap as he put the, the the rod in there and that was to stop each sheep before it came in and he would check over the sheep and make sure it was okay they had no wounds they had no sores dirty job and and all the sheep were then individually pass under his rod and his staff as a sign of his care before going in to find safety and comfort uh, as it went into the fold, the one fold with all of the other sheep that were there. See, the shepherds, they would go to sleep somewhere else, but one of them would be appointed, or perhaps they would have uh, one person who would be the gatekeeper who would watch over the whole fold at night. Sometimes, Rather than a gate or a, or a door, actually the shepherd himself would sit in that gap. So like, nothing's getting through here unless it gets through me. Um, next morning, the shepherds would come back and they would call out their own sheep by name. Yep. Out would come their sheep. Now, the word call, it says there, is the word phoneo in Greek. Guess what we get? 
that, uh, what we get from that word, phoneo. Jesus knows your number. Jesus knows your name. He's calling you today to follow him. On Friday morning, I, led a, uh, I was part of a group of leaders from um, uh, around the city, of church leaders here in Manchester. We meet just about every week to be able to pray. We've done it even more in lockdown on Zoom uh, for one another and for the city. But we were meeting physically. It was brilliant. And um, I, I don't know of any other city, by the way, where you get such unified prayer from the leaders of, of the churches like this. And so we prayed and we stood in a circle. And I, I suddenly saw us like those shepherds standing there under shepherds the apostle peter would have called us various shapes and sizes of flocks but i prayed at that point i prayed out loud lord however many flocks there are here in this city we know there's only one fold and it belongs to you you are the good shepherd the lord jesus christ and there's only one fold in this city and that's why we're doing things together too that are bigger than ivy that we're part of festival manchester we're part of greater manchester prayer because there's just one fold however many flocks we have we don't want to steal each other's sheep people may join and belong to our flock here and then they may go on to another flock nobody forces you to be part of anything because all we all we don't want all i don't want is for anybody to be a lost sheep um you get to choose which flock you belong to, which under shepherds you're going to follow, because actually you're not really a sheep, are you? You're a person. And all the flocks belong to Jesus. He's the good shepherd. And I encourage you to pray and to think today about applying to be a member of Ivy Church as we rebuild church, to, for everybody to find a place, a place to belong, a place to serve, a place to give, a place to receive, that's what membership is. We want you to be uh, part of this and to be part of this flock. And we want to be good shepherds of his flock here in the city at Ivy. See, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for this flock together with the fellow leaders. And, you know, these other uh, pastors, they knew that, that they were also responsible. Um, but it, as churches grow, it wouldn't be possible for me to know everybody by name. But the good shepherd actually does. That's what he said as we continue the reading. I'll move down to verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, this fold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority or power to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Verse 19 says, The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, He's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? You see the C.S. Lewis choice there again, reflected in what they said at the end. Who is Jesus? What have you decided? Is he mad, 
bad or God? Is he liar, lunatic or Lord? See, we're all betting our lives on something. I'm betting my life. I'm betting everything. I'm all in that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus Christ is God, that he really is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. This is the fourth I am title that Jesus uses in the gospel. This Gospel of John, the fourth claim to deity that everybody would recognize as such. When he says, I am, that's the name of God. And then he says, the good. And the word good there is kalos. Kalos, it means beautiful, lovely, perfect. Um, It means excellent in every way. It means very best. Jesus is the very best shepherd. Anybody else who's doing our best to represent him, It's only our best, and we don't get everything wrong, but we don't get everything right either. Abraham was a good shepherd, and and Isaac and Moses and David, they were all known as, as shepherds in the Bible, but he is the best. He is the greatest shepherd because he's the one that David called his shepherd when he wrote Psalm 23 and said, I'm a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say today, the Lord Jesus Christ is my shepherd, that I know him. He knows you, but do you know him? The Lord is your shepherd. He wants you to come into his flock and into his fold. In contrast to the false leaders who only cared about themselves, who were hirelings, who robbed the sheep, who who continually divided them against one another and against Jesus, Jesus said he he is the good shepherd and he would show it in three ways. I'm going to underline them briefly and then we're going to pray and you can decide what you're going to do in response to the voice of Jesus today and whether you're going to follow what he says. Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays his life down for us. He gives his life for us because he loves us and he does all of it to unite us together to him and to each other. So let's start with the signs of the good shepherd. Number one, the hardest one the most costly one, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now throw away any idyllic pastoral um, paintings that you might have in your mind about what it was like to be a shepherd. Shepherding was a really risky business. Exodus chapter two, verse 13 said, the law was if you were given charge over an animal and anything happened to it, you were responsible for that. If you had to hold, you would be held to account if anything happened to it. But the flock was always in danger attack by predators or robbers who just saw them as wool or meat. Shepherds put in very long hours. They had to be vigilant. They had to be ready to fight against beasts and rulers. You might remember that David said that his training to fight Goliath came because he'd already fought a lion and a bear. He had to rescue sheep from those attacks. So it was hard, lonely work. But good shepherds didn't do it for the money. They didn't do it because they had to. They did it like Jesus. A good shepherd would be willing and willing to lay down their lives. The the, the word there, for, by the way, is the Greek word hooper. And uh, it means for the benefit of. It means instead of, in the place of. To be able to lay down their life on behalf of the sheep. See, Jesus didn't just lay down his life. Um, the word there, suke, means, it means, well, it actually means his whole self, his soul. Um, he, he, that's why he loved them that much. Today, we remember um, and celebrate that, that people lay down their lives so that we could be free, 
sort of other people gave up their freedom and gave up their lives so that we could live today in freedom. That's why we, we remember on Remembrance Day these, these sacrifices that people have made. And, um, and, and we do this with great gratitude. And Jesus actually said this, greater love has no man than that he laid down his life for his friends. So these people that we remember today and that we honour today in our Remembrance Day services uh, are actually people that we should be honouring because of, of the sacrifice that they've made, because they have laid down their lives for another. Um, but Jesus didn't just lay down his life for his friends. He went further and laid down his life for his enemies, for people who, like us, were, were walking away from God were indifferent to his love and his commands and yet at the same time or in open rebellion and yet he still laid down his life to why did he do that why did the good shepherd lay down his life for us number two the reason is the good shepherd loves his sheep he's never out to fleece them he's never out to pull the wool over their eyes they're not just a herd with hooves he owns them he's not a hireling like the pharisees He's not mercenary, he is mercy. Every sheep has a face or a name to the good shepherd. They're all loved. He knows the one with the limp. He knows the one with the funny shaped ear. He loves the black sheep and he loves the white sheep because they're all his sheep. Over and over here, he, he says he knows them. And the word that he used, that for know there isn't just about information. It implies intimacy. He intimately knows his sheep. So that's why he loves us. So he gives his life for us voluntarily, willingly. He says, nobody makes me do this. I'm doing it because I've chosen to do it. He says, I've got power to take up my life again, but I'm going to have to lay it down first. So he lays down his life and then he takes it up. And that's number three. The, why does he do that? The good shepherd unites his sheep to himself and to each other. That's what he wants to do. He wants all of us, every one of us, to be in his fold. He said, other people were lost then. They were not in the sheep pen. He had lost ones in mind from all nations and all races and he was going to make the way for them all to be able to, to come. He was himself going to be the gate for the sheep. Everybody would come in by means of Jesus Christ into the one sheepfold. But for now, you see, Scripture says there is no Jew or Greek. All are one in Christ Jesus. There's only one fold for lost sheep, the fold of the good shepherd. Are you in or out today? And there are many flocks, even in this city. This one is called Ivy Church. And we join together as community in many ways, online and in person, in many places, on many days, as well as on Sunday. And a sheep that's not part of a flock is very much in danger of loss, of vulnerability or of being lost very soon before long but if you email higherivychurch.org today we would love to talk with you about you getting more involved and even becoming a member here but if you are one already maybe you've kind of drifted off in the last while 
I'm praying for you too, because we love you. And it's so important you not to be drifting off and to become, we want you to be part, fully part of the flock, to find a place of belonging, to find a place of following together with other people here, united by love, to care for one another and many others in his name. Some people wonder, what's the point of church? Especially post-COVID, we hear it more and more. Some people wonder, saying, I don't need to belong to a local church. But if you're not part of a flock following a shepherd, you're a lost sheep. You may be a sheep, but the chances are before long, you're going to be a lost one. And the worst kind of lost is when you don't even know that you're lost. Today, the good shepherd is calling you. Can you hear him? If you know his voice, he wants you safe in his fold. So he's saying, get part of a flock, become part of a flock. Hey, up! Stop the wondering and the wandering. Come back, come back fully. Find a place to love and be loved, to know and be known, to serve and to be served by the one who laid down his life for us, to, who was unite us all together and to himself as part of the one fold, which is the church of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.